This is the last week in our Holy Spirit series. Yeah, have you enjoyed it? Great. I just want to say that um, what we've been trying to do with it is to sort of relay a foundation uh, to 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 uh, so that we're just making sure that. Um, a good understanding and and which should then lead to a, a greater confidence in the in the things of the Holy Spirit become part of our day to day life as a church it 's not we 'd be so sad if, if we kind of looked back on this time as that holy Spirit time okay? it 's a series on the Holy Spirit so that as a church we can grow in confidence the whole time. Uh, in the things of the Holy Spirit, yeah. So, just want to say that that's really the idea and and and, and the hope uh, behind it. And um, what we've been doing is a very sort of straightforward kind of uh, framework, just to get get the right things in. And we've been looking at five things, uh, um, same five things, just a minute on each. At the start of every sermon, we've been looking at the fact number one that the Holy Spirit. Um, let's see if you can actually. We've been doing it a few weeks now. Who, someone, give me the first one. Holy Spirit is a person So even though the Bible uses images like wind, fire, rain Which are impersonal um, They're illustrations They just illustrate something of what he does The Bible is very clear that he is a person The Bible talks of God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is um, Someone we can develop a relationship with So when you're thinking about the Holy Spirit Don't think impersonally uh, About uh, Some force that's going to That's going to come and get me Or hit me or strike me it's about developing a relationship with God that's the right way to approach the Holy Spirit he is obviously he's powerful he's God but he, he the Bible says he can be honoured he can be grieved um, he, he teaches he speaks he can be resisted he can be quenched it, it, he, he's a person we have a relationship with him next an, another one of the five Right, so the Holy Spirit um, doesn't, doesn't spend all of his time um, speaking about himself. It's quite an interesting thing. If you, as you read in the New Testament, there's more emphasis on the Father and the Son than there is on the Spirit. That's not because the Father and the Son are more important than the Spirit, but because the ministry of the Spirit is to point to the Father and the Son. So you know when you're around a church that's full of the Holy Spirit, because that church is really secure in the love of the Father, really good on the fatherhood of God, and really excited about Jesus. That's when you know you're in a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's what he comes to do, to reveal the love of the Father and the splendor of Jesus into our lives. So that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what he loves. And um, when we, when we honour the Father and the Son, we are honouring the Holy Spirit. Next one, or any other of the next ones. Right, so if we, if, we are, um, if we're sort of passive in terms of our approach to the Holy Spirit and if we don't proactively kind of honour and welcome him and, it, and even if in our heart there's a resistance to things he wants to do or a kind of an un- unhealthy, a wrong kind of fear, uh, then what you can end up with is a scenario where you've got everything in place as a church, rotors, structures, busy projects, good works, all of that, but actually the presence, the, the presence of God which is what the Holy Spirit comes to bring, the presence of God to a church, isn't tangible, it's not manifest. And so it becomes, the church becomes like a house but with no one at home. What horrible prospect. Cold. Uh, and you see it happen, you see churches that go cold, you see churches, you think, where's the life? We need the Holy Spirit. Uh, another one? Right. 
so you get some churches say we're really we're all about the gospel others are we're all about the holy spirit it's a ridiculous idea ridiculous dichotomy there's no no jesus has come jesus has the word has become flesh and uh, and this jesus has lived a life like you and me and faced every temptation like we do and then as a perfect man who never gave into temptation, he went and he died for our sins. So that we could be freely forgiven as a gift. Hallelujah. God then raised him up as a proof, as a vouchsafe, as a, as a demonstration. Yes, this is my son. It's a vindicating act, the resurrection. Yes, death cannot hold him because death's got nothing on him because he hasn't sinned. So he's risen from the dead and exalted to the highest place. And then the Father and the Son pour out the Holy Spirit. And so the coming of the Spirit is inextricably linked with the Gospel. It's, it's so, and, and the Spirit will be with us until Jesus returns in person. And then all of us who no one loves the Lord will be with Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the new heavens and the new earth forever yes so um, don't separate these things out it's, it's because of what Jesus has done that the Spirit comes Jesus has gone up, the Spirit's come down last one right so all of the, the the Bible talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit and the Bible says that you inherit the promises of God through faith and patience so the way that you come into what God has promised is not that God's promises automatically fall into your lap Hebrews 6 verse 12 says it's through faith and patience, which basically means through believing and keeping believing, we inherit, we come into the experience of all that God has promised. You don't earn it. It's, 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 a, it's a, his promised gift. And yet to act, sometimes you do need to take a stand and say, Lord, I'm, I'm believing you for all that you've promised. There's, there, there is an active participation in enjoying all that God has promised. It's not just an automatic thing. Brilliant. You knew the five. Well, so you should after all these weeks. But that's great. Okay. So these are things we're just putting in every week just so that we're really clear on them. Um, now what we're going to do, we look at the same passage every week, which is Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 37 to 30. Uh, 30. I think I've done that wrong. I think it's actually 37 to 39. Sorry. I think the reference is wrong at the bottom. But the the words are right. Um, The context is Peter's just preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost to a lot of Jews. And uh, he's preached that Jesus is now Lord. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And we just thank you for this scripture, Lord, and we just pray as we look at it, that, and others, Lord, just open, our, open the eyes of our hearts, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come and, come and work magnificently. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so we've looked at. We get, we, so there's basically seven steps here, seven things that you can kind of draw out. Some of them are really explicit. Some of them are a bit more implicit, hard to find. But they're sort of, if you like, I don't know, steps or maybe that's the best word in terms of how you come into um, the experience, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. First, we looked at repenting, um, repenting from trying to save ourselves, so we can only be saved by Jesus' work for us on the cross. Uh, week two, repentance again. We looked at, but repenting of kind of clinging on to dark things, clinging on to specific sins that we know are wrong, um, and we've got to let go of that just so the Lord can um, th- th- that we actually mean it when we say we want you, Lord, even even though we know we can't uh, beat the power of sin in our own strength there's something of a heart choice saying Lord, I don't want this anymore I want to walk in the light, it's really important uh, 
Thirdly, baptism, um, that to, as a believer, to be baptised is a command of Jesus and an act of obedience. Fourthly, surrender, that we come out of the driver's seat of our life, say, Jesus, I want you to drive, I want to cooperate with you, you are Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not Lord of my life anymore. Fifthly, desire, that we actually want the Lord, that we actually want the Holy Spirit. We looked at how desire is so key to every human life. Um, it's really what drives us. Sixthly, definite prayer for the Holy Spirit. And then this week, we're going to look at faith, that once you've prayed for the Holy Spirit, you've got to then actually say, well, Lord, now you've promised that the Spirit is for you, your children, all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I mean, it's quite expansive. It's very expansive. It's a very broad, very generous kind of promise. Pizza covers every kind of base. You might think, oh, no, no, I don't think the Lord's going to give me a Spirit. I'm so far away. All who are far off. Oh. You know, you could see yourself. Sometimes I think it's so easy. It's a bit of a trick of, of the mind. It could even be like a spiritual trick of deception that you see yourself as in some sort of corner that no one else is in. You're in this unique corner uh, because of your own, your own unusual, unique set of circumstances and maybe things about yourself, psychological difficulties, who knows. And you can, you can see yourself in some kind of corner that kind of creates a category uh, that God can't reach into. I just want to say that is not true. It's just not true. In fact, the Bible actually makes the point that where sin increases, grace abounds more. So the more confusion, complication, uh, the more darkness, the more knots, the more God's grace is right. Well, we're really going to come in there with some power uh, and undo those things, if you'll just let me. That's, that's the gospel. The gospel isn't pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps. The gospel isn't, come on, you, you can try harder. The, the gospel is that the grace of God is so abounded to us in Jesus Christ that those who are in the most dark loss place can be reached for all who are uh, far off and so we've got to let that uh, stir our hearts so faith when we come to God and say Lord I want I want more of the Holy Spirit um, it's kind of important that you that you don't how can I put it Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a really famous preacher, he said the problem with a lot of Christians is this. They, um, they spend too much time listening to themselves and not enough time talking to themselves. Yeah, so you come to pray, oh God, I just really want more of the Spirit. And the, 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 the narrative straight away can be, oh, well, you've been praying for the Spirit for years and nothing has happened. Or when you did that wrong. Or straight away it kicks in. You listen to that rather than actually, hold on a minute, what has God promised? And you, 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 you declare scripture. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Could we just have a look at that please Sarah? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. It's a, it's a wonderful definition. People can go really wrong in faith. Um, some of the churches that people call faith churches, um, they can go a, a, a little bit. I want us to be a faith church in the truest sense. But you know, there are churches where it kind, of, it kind of seems like faith is the key to everything. And if anything is wrong, it's because of your lack of faith. Which is a caricature of Bible truth. Okay? Um, and, and, and sometimes what can happen in those kinds of churches is that it's, it's kind of, it gets to a point where it's just faith. and It's faith in what? It's just faith. Just believe, believe. And it's kind of like, hold on a minute. What has God promised? It's no good just to say, just believe. You get into a kind of a Disney thing. It's just, just believe. Yeah, it's just it's emotional, sentimental. Get the right chords going. Okay, I believe. No. Faith is... is being assured of the things hoped for. Well, what do we hope for? We hope for the things that God has promised he will do. And we don't see them yet because they're in the future, so they're not seen. But there's a deep conviction he is faithful. 
He has said it and he's demonstrated his faithfulness to such an extent in sending his son to, to reach us in such an extreme way. Surely now everything else he's promised compared to that is very manageable. Surely. And so there's a kind of a logic with faith. There's a logic where you say, God, you've promised and you've demonstrated this and you've shown yourself to be. And so now in light of that, I'm expecting you to do this. And sometimes if you read the prayers in the Bible, there's almost an arguing that goes on where these prayers take their stand on what God has said. And you have to learn to do that as a Christian. There, there are times in prayer where it's, you're supplicating, you're petitioning, you're asking. But there are definitely, there, there must come times in our prayer where we say, God, you said. And, and, and it's kind of a holy boldness, it's kind of an impudence. Richard used that word last week in his, in his sermon, this kind of outrageous, if you think, am I being rude, am I going a bit too far? And actually you never find anywhere in the Bible anyone being um, rebuked for being bold in prayer. Uh, but, but you do, when people are t- timid or double-minded, you find some strong words being said. Actually God loves faith. He loves it, because if you're in faith it means that you are considering him faithful, and that really glorifies him. It's like as a parent, if you promise your children something, and then you, you, but it's not happened yet, you want to see their eyes light up. You want to see them really confident that because you've said it, it's going to happen. You don't want to see that kind of, oh, yeah, well, we'll wait and see, because it actually reflects on, that reflects on us as parents. If, you, if your kids go, hmm, well, you think, well, hold on, but we've said it. If they go, oh, amazing, they start dancing around the house, even though there's no substances, you know. So we're going to, hot, we're going, we're going to Cornwall this year. Ah, we love Cornwall. Everyone's bouncing around the house. But there's no Cornwall in the house. There's no Cornwall in sight, you know. Yeah, what is it? It's just a word. It's just a promise. But the kids get, well, yeah, when mum and dad say we're going there, we go there. It happens, and so it lifts you to a place where you're confident, where you're hopeful, where there's some joy, as we've been hearing about, because, well, God said it. And it can kind of, and then it affects, that future hope, it it affects how you feel about where you're currently at. You can suddenly, well, I can get through this because of God's promise this. It's very motivating and energising, but it's rooted in his faithfulness. Uh, And God loves it. And so, you know, I, I would encourage us as we're praying for more and more of the Holy Spirit that we are expecting much from God and standing on his promises and that we're not being moved and that we're not letting go. Um, I mean, listen, look at some of these scriptures from, from Jesus. Jesus says, uh, whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if you have faith. I mean, it's extraordinary. Now, again, obviously that's a promise you think is so expansive. But remember what faith is in the promises of God. Not just if you whip up optimistic self-belief. No, no, no. Faith. Faith is rooted in what has God promised. If I, so therefore, the assumption there is that you, whatever you're asking for is rooted in what God has promised. But there is a condition in terms of receiving it if you have faith. You, you, can, you can disqualify yourself from what God has promised you freely through unbelief. You can. You see it in the wilderness. God's promised these people this promised land and they send out these 12 spies, they come back. Two of them are like, gosh, it's amazing. You look at the fruit, it's, it's a beautiful place. Ten are saying, yeah, but did you see the size of the people living there? We're never going to do it. And they begin wailing and talking about how, how big these people are and we're going to be prey, we're gonna be, they're going you know, to eat us alive. And there's this contagion of fear and unbelief. And God says, do you know what? It, it was a six-week journey to the promised land. It took them 40 years. It's a six-week journey. If they'd just gone with it. 40 years. Why? Because God says, you know what? As a result, this generation will not inherit. Only Joshua and Caleb of this generation will inherit the land because they believe me. 
So their unbelief disqualified them. It's, it's a big deal. Oh, Jesus, I, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. If you read in the footnote of that, it, it can be translated, believe that you are receiving it and it will be yours. There's something of praying where you're not spending the whole time entertaining this thought, will he or won't he? He's promised. It glorifies him to take him seriously. He's promised, said it. James, as ever, <laughs> outspoken, says it like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. It's, such, it's so expensive, so generous. Without reproach, that means he doesn't find fault. You're sitting there thinking, yes, but there's that wrong with me. Yes, but there's this wrong with me. God isn't thinking like that. It's without reproach. But, ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. It's just the same way as of what I said earlier. You, you, it's, not that, it's, not, it's not that we, we don't battle with doubts. All of us battle with doubts. But what do you do with them? Do you, do you give them a nice the soil of your heart to come and grow in and flourish? And you water them. Oh, some more doubts. We'll go and we'll give them a nice little water. They'll grow into lovely weeds that will choke what God's saying. Or do you recognise, God, I've, I'm facing serious doubts here. We've got to do some stuff. I'm going to get into the Word, get into the promises and pull them up. Because I want the soil of my heart to be a, a place that is a, the, uh, conducive to faith. Growing. This is really important stuff. So... Um, so I would just say to those of you here that you, you know, oh, actually, I, 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 as I was preparing this today, I, I, I felt like the Lord um, just just dropped into my heart quickly that there would be a, a couple here today, and the reason that you're here is to see is just the place um, that we should be. That's actually the specific purpose of why you are here, and uh, I felt like um, there's a scripture that I can say to you in good heart: it is, come with us, and we will do you good. And that, and that God has a, God has a, a faith adventure for you here. Um, I don't say that every week just to make the church grow. Um, this is probably the first time I've ever done it in eight years. But I just felt the spirit quicken me this morning and I thought, right, I'm going to bring it. There you go. It doesn't mean if you are here and you're a couple, it's for you. But if you're here and that totally speaks into your heart, pray about it um, and let God confirm it. Because obviously it's a big step. Okay, so just a quick one, application. Just say, Christians, we're called believers in the Bible. There's a hint there. It means that we should be quite good at doing something. <laughs> Believing. So let's, let's, let's let the soil of our hearts be strengthened in, in God's word. And let faith grow, yeah? And if you're here and you're not used to, you're not used to trusting Jesus, maybe you've never opened up your heart, your life to Jesus to be able to lead you and to be your Lord, then I, you know, I guess I do want to sort of call you on an adventure to do that. And I'm not just talking about signing a box, you know, I'm a Christian now. I'm talking about giving yourself to Christ and watching what he does with your life. It, it's not about saying certain words or a formula. For me, I literally just, I, I think, I, I can't remember for sure, but I think I said something like, I'm all yours, Jesus. Just something like that. And no one even heard and I just was, I was in a meeting but I was sat on the floor and no one knew what I was doing and I just said, alright, I'm all yours. And he took me at my word. And uh, I, I was amazed by what he did. I was really amazed. And, you know, if you, if you call on him and you mean it, because he searches the heart, he, he sees that. That's why it hasn't got to be impressive. He looks into the heart. So if you say, Lord, I want to follow you, I want to I actually become a disciple and follow you, uh, he will respond to you in there and bring new life to you. 
and um, and you can be part of a church and we can all, we all where we're all learning together how to follow him um, so please let us know we'll rejoice with you and pray with you but it's something that primary step is where you say Lord I, I want to bow the knee and give you give, I, want to, I want to learn how to live by faith it's a real adventure uh, second thing just to finish on now is um, uh, every week we look at one particular thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives um, uh, different ways that he helps us we've looked at various things and what I want us to look at today is, is, is that the Holy Spirit is a teacher and that he helps us to understand spiritual things um, he helps us to understand bi- biblical truth um, you know you have some people who are professional Bible readers if you like they're sort of scholars, theology scholars but they don't believe the gospel at all um, and they would know all of the original languages and they would know much more about historical context than me and all kinds of, all kinds of things. They would spend hours and years uh, and would be professors and that kind of, but they would have no trust in Christ at all. And then um, there might be some of us here who, you know, you, maybe you're here and you have almost no education and yet you open this book and you just know straight away God's speaking into your heart. You think, well, what's going on there? Now that's not to pit the one against the other. Study is key. Study is so important. But there's a fundamental issue of whether or not the Holy Spirit indwells you as to whether or not you can understand what the Bible really means. And it's not like Bible code stuff. It's not like, oh, if you've got the Holy Spirit, then you realise if you read every seventh word, then you get the real meaning. It's not like that. It's, it's, it's there. It's plain. Yeah, but the Spirit of God who indwells you will give you spiritual understanding so you know what it means. So I'll just, I'll just show you. But this is the scripture we're going to look at for the last part of the message. And... Uh, so Paul's just been speaking before this in the book of 1 Corinthians about how, you know, he's speaking to a context in Corinth where they're really into wisdom, Greeks and their wisdom, you know what that was like in those days. And he's saying, you know, Jesus, Jesus crucified, that's the wisdom and the power of God. And he's really just saying it's all about the cross. And he goes on a bit later and he says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who loved him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now pause there. There used to be a song when I was growing up, and um, some of you might remember it. No eye has seen. Remember that one? No eye has seen. <laughs> I'm out on a limb here, guys. Just be good to me. Uh, uh, no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind has ever conceived the wonderful things, started in the wrong key, that you have prepared for everyone who has believed. Uh, and the idea is, in that song, that until you get to heaven, you won't really get a, have a sense of what God has prepared. That's not what Paul's teaching. Paul says, no eye has seen, no eye has heard. But then he says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Wow. Okay, So that's what he's getting at there. He's saying, look, they're just way beyond what you would, by natural senses, understand or grasp. But through the Spirit, God has revealed. So it's very profound thing he's saying he's saying something that should really make our expectation grow for how we can uh the spiritual understanding we can have in this age before we are before um we are in glory so he says for the spirit searches everything even the depths of god 
So we've got this mysterious sense here of the Holy Spirit searching the depths of God. And he uses an illustration where he says, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So for example, look, here we go, right, hold on, what am I thinking about? Have a guess. No. <laughs> Elephant in a bowler hat, right? I thought of something that you would never have guessed, right? But my spirit, I knew what I was thinking about. That's the illustration Paul is using. <laughs> to a fashion. But he's saying the spirit searches the depths of God. In the same sense, the spirit knows exactly all the thoughts, everything that's going on in the deep, deep parts of the Father-Son uh, relationship. Um, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Naturally, you cannot know what God is thinking. So if you have an, an understanding of God as creator, but you don't have the Holy Spirit, because you've not believed and trusted in Jesus, but you have this sense of understanding of God, and you say things like, well, if I was God, then I wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, but look, what does it say here? It says, um, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You don't know. How can you have any idea? Someone who has been alive forever, and who is over all things... And who is infinite and omnipresent, which means he fills all things. And omniscient, which means he knows all things. And outside of time and space. How could you even begin to have any sense of if you were God, you would do? <laughs> because you're, you're coming at it from someone who's just so fundamentally limited. Straight away, it's obvious we're going to go really, really wrong. We need to understand it helps us in our approach to God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. This spirit who comprehends the thoughts of God, we have received. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's why we sing and dance about forgiveness and adoption and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. What's going on there is that we've got it. Yeah. It's, had a, it's made an impact. It's kind of it's affected our lives. It's, it's affected our minds, our thoughts, the direction of our life, our emotion. We come and we sing and this means so much to us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has revealed to us the things freely given us by God. It's a miracle that you can be here, sing these songs and they mean anything to you at all. Yeah. It's evidence that the Spirit of God has revealed to you that this is what God has done. What an amazing thing. Such a privilege, such an honour. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. But just end on this. It's a really important point. Someone who hasn't yet uh, experienced the Holy Spirit through believing in Christ doesn't understand spiritual things. Why? Because they're not able to. So it says that they're folly to that person. So that person might say, this is nonsense. How can you give your life to Christ? They might hear about you know, some of the things we say no to in order to honour Jesus and think, why are you doing that? Some of the sacrifices that we sometimes happily make, <laughs> sometimes make, um, and think, well, what, what, what's motivating you to do that? It's crazy. You live your life. Certain relationships we might say no to, certain opportunities we might say no to, certain just priorities and values that we have, certain things we find delight in, they might look on and say, it's just folly. But we're to expect that. But we're not to expect that we can talk people around to see it on a natural level. We're not to expect that. It's, it's folly. But here's the, here's the really important point biblically, and I don't say this in a way that's trying to come across arrogant. I'm just saying the Bible, what the Bible teaches is, is that the reason why you've got that scenario going on isn't because the Christian has made some blind leap of faith and has switched off all of the proper faculties 
and gone into this really bizarre lifestyle. The reason why is because they have been given a faculty that the natural person doesn't have. All of their other faculties are still switched on. Mind, soul, emotions, all of the, everything's still switched on. But there's another faculty that's been given through the Holy Spirit. The eyes of the heart have been opened. Spiritual truth takes precedence over everything else. All the other things slot into line with that. So it's like, that's the, that, that's the reality of what it is. It's an incredible privilege. It's not anything that you earn through being spiritual. Let me just say that. If you're here and you're thinking, oh, you Christians think you're really spiritual, then do you? No, we really don't. Not in any natural sense of the way that word is normally used. We really don't see ourselves as up there in that kind, in that kind of way. We, we've just, all it is is we totally acknowledge that we have fallen, actually. We've acknowledged the opposite. We've acknowledged that we've, we were all made for glory, but we've fallen from that. Uh, and, and that God has made a way for us to be restored to him through Jesus. And we've just come to the cross and said, Lord, I need forgiveness. I've got it wrong. I've got it, I've got it wrong in a fundamental way. And God has had mercy on us through the sacrifice of his son and has washed us from our sins and given us his spirit and made us alive to him again. That's, that's how it works. It's really important you understand that. And, um, and it, means that, it means that the last thing any Christian should struggle with is pride. <laughs> um, we, we should know the truth and be, um, be, just be peaceful about it. So I want to end with one tiny little quote by a, a famous uh, Pentecostal preacher called uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He said this. He said, some people read their Bible in the Hebrew and some read it in the Greek. I read it in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Which, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a classic Wigglesworth extreme statement. It's not wrong to read it in the Hebrew and the Greek. Uh, we love you, Dan. Um, but, uh, but actually, I, I know that what Dan wants, and what all, all of us need more than anything else, we need to read the Bible in the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean you just pick bits out of context and use them for whatever you want. That's, that's not reading it in the Holy Spirit. Okay? But it is that you are, with this new faculty, this spiritual understanding, that you're able to actually grasp this. And it's able to actually mean something in your heart. And when you read about the Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, that it means everything to you. Because you recognise, ah, he's come and he's saved me. And that, that's really the heart of it. And that's what I want to encourage us. In the Holy, if you're a Holy Spirit person, you're a Bible person. And if you're really a Bible person, you're a Holy Spirit person. And this whole word and spirit thing, you know, again, it's a bit of a false psychotomy, to be honest with you. You, don't, you cannot understand the word without the spirit. And when the spirit comes, you bet the word will be honoured and made central. Just look at the life of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. He's always quoting scripture. He's always saying things like the scripture can't be broken. I mean, you know, he really honoured the Bible. So this is how the God works. And um, so let's, uh, let's, let's engage fully in the word of God, expecting the spirit of God to reveal things to us. And that, again, just to say finally as well, just a bit of helpful... Um, uh, advice reading it in the spirit doesn't mean I switch off my mind it doesn't mean any, no not at all it means that the spirit enhances all my faculties so as I would study any other book I study this book I think I've said this a few times but it's such a, it's such a helpful quote from John Piper that if you, if you rake a garden you'll get leaves if you dig you'll get gems and if you rake this you just shallow reading you'll get leaves and in you know the pace of life and all of that pressures, other priorities. So we really got to think, take this seriously. Um, in terms of our running partners, making sure we're encouraging each other in the Word. Are we are we digging? Are we digging? Are we giving time? What are we studying right now? If this is if this is your Bible reading, it's, you wouldn't treat any other book like that. 
you wouldn't treat any other bit like that. That's, and I'm sure God in his mercy sometimes does amazing things through that, but that's, that's no way day by day to, to, to grow in, in the knowledge of God. It, you, you, it, it's not good. And just and one other comment has occurred to me. Imagine if I wrote you a letter, start to finish, and then you broke it down into six chunks, and you read one chunk one day, and the next day you read the next chunk. Do you think at the end of those six days you'd have any idea what I'd written to you about? I don't think you would. I think every day you'd be thinking, I wonder what... I can't remember what it said the day before. If you want to understand what it means, read the letter. And I do think the chapters thing can be a real issue. I think we end up breaking things down that aren't broken down. We lose the flow. Put an hour aside and read Romans. Why not? And then rewrite it in your own words. That's an amazing exercise. That will get you really thinking, what does this mean? And then you'll start noticing themes and words coming through and you'll think, oh my, and you'll start to get the logic of the thing and you'll think, well, I'm feeling, what's going on here? I'm getting fed, I'm getting nourished. I just want to ask and urge you, please. Let's, uh, let's do this. And I know we're all, different, all in different places and I know, you know some of us, is, there's all kinds of difficulties and struggles and things that go on. I'm not trying to create a, a horrible situation where suddenly there's new laws and new rules, not at all. I'm just saying, uh, let's, 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 we, we want to be well nourished, we want to feed. God is very gracious, God is very kind. And uh, if God has got you in a certain season at a certain time, you know, and you know it's the calling of God in your life and there's hardly any time, I tell you what, he will give you grace. He will give you grace in a minute's Bible reading that he gives me in an hour. Absolutely. But, because he looks at the heart. But I do just want to, so what I'm really pleading is, is please honour the work of the Spirit through the Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen.